so I'm going to focus on two topics that are sort of related to this broader iBook topic. And um, the first thing that I want to spend a little bit of time on is talking about what you can do with iBooks author if you really, 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 really want to go advanced with it. And one thing I can tell you from, uh, you know, iBooks author has only been available since January, and let me give you some context about iBooks author. Um, Apple's been hinting for quite a long time, and, and if you read the Steve Jobs biography, that they, they've been looking for kind of large businesses or, 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 or media context that they want to kind of reinvent. And textbooks are something that's been a project that's very much a, 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 on Apple's mind. Um, and part of that's because, and, and I'll be really honest with here, I think the textbook industry is both a massive boondoggle and also not very responsive to student needs. And I can go into extraordinary detail about where I think this is the case in, in both of my contexts. Previously, I was a uh, high school history teacher, and let me assure you, the quality of high school history textbooks has been going down dramatically in the last 25 years. And then also, in my context now, as a curriculum director for a statewide virtual school, we don't adopt a lot of traditional textbooks per se, numbers less than 10, but having gone through a textbook adoption process in all content areas, it's my, my job as a curriculum director of, of MTDA, and also looking for resources that are usable in a media context, I can tell you the textbook companies range from maybe someday we'll get it to absolutely not getting it. There are very few that I think are really forward-seeing in, in, in where textbooks may go in a way that is really useful for kids. Like, I don't care if a textbook company makes money. I just think that shouldn't be the only consideration of a textbook company. But rather, you know, putting good resources in the hands of teachers and students should be the goal of a textbook company. It doesn't really feel like that's a really big part of their shtick right now. So I wanted to show you, um, you know, part of January's announcement when they announced iBook Authors was this application, which is iBooks 2. This is the native application on the iPad for a reading content. And at the same time, they announced that there were several textbook um, companies that were going to be putting out digital versions of their textbooks for fairly reasonable prices. And this is an example of one that I purchased. Um, I've been wanting to purchase uh, the history books that are, are, are going to be available this fall, mostly out of maybe morbid curiosity, if they would be good solutions for if I were in the history classroom. Interestingly enough, I've never seen this before um, on any Apple product, but you can pre-order a book in the iTunes library, but they're not quite released yet. And I was uh, annoyed yesterday when I went to go say, hey, look at the history book. It said, you know, buy, and it says, oh yeah, this will be delivered when, when available. But um, there is a good set of, of starting books to give you a sense, and I believe the answer is, is that these particular books, I'm going to show you the McGraw-Hill biology textbook. This is a high school biology textbook. I believe these books were created with an enhanced version of iBooks authors. So the same structure, it's the same pieces, it's just, it's, it's probably given, textbook companies are probably given slightly more of control over what the final product looks like. And I think the book itself is actually, it's not quite as revolutionary as I want a textbook, and actually I can show you for a moment, there's a video that I like to show when I talk about why textbooks need to kind of get up in the modern day um, that, that kind of demonstrates what I'm talking about, but I think this is a, you know, a fairly decent um, you know, 
book, and I'm put, put book in quotation marks, it does do a fairly admirable job of creating, as Martha showed you, that kind of iBooks author style that if you go in the portrait mode, it's more of a traditional text that you can kind of flip through the text. If you go into landscape mode, it adds a number of media objects. If I don't unplug this. Hello. Hello. I know. Broke my own iPad. And then it, it you know, adds uh, you know, some interesting interactivities to it. Um, I was hoping that the biology textbook, for example, would have more interactivity to it. It seems like a modern-day bio textbook should be a wonderful topic to add a lot of multimedia. I mean, Martin, in, in, in a half an hour, created um, what I consider to be a more interactive book with, with the, the, the DNA strands than, than I think that a lot of the resources look like here. But again, it's just start. And, you know, it does add an interesting interactivity, some interesting quizzes at the end. But what I like about this actually is not the book itself, it's the price. This book is available for $15. Um, it's really difficult to find a uh, traditional publisher that would be willing to sell you an electronic book for less than $50 per student head. And I can tell you that, uh, that, that I'm looking at adopting an AP biology textbook right now for my organization. I'm dealing with a um, a previously mentioned major textbook company who remain nameless because they're being a pain in my butt, and recently they quoted me $65 for a one-year license for a textbook. And I said, I would rather tell students to go buy the three-edition old version used on, on Amazon.com for $18 than force them to pay $60 for a book they can use for 360 days. So that's something that I think is a, a, a real sham, but this is a better model, right? If we can get to a point where, where electronic textbooks on any digital device is available for 10 or $15, that scales really well, and I think this is a really good sign. But this is kind of the ilk of what a well-done iBook author book may look like. Now, in the last six months, yeah, go ahead. How does the Montana history book so you're talking about the one made by the Montana Historical Society, right? Well, the answer is, is that since we have access to the PDFs to that book, you could just simply hand the PDFs out to kids and say, load them into your iPad. And that's, if I had an iPad classroom, for example, and I was teaching middle school or early high school Montana history, that's what I would do with those assets. That, that's actually a pretty good use of those PDFs. Um, by the way, I have a complete side note, but I do want to give a shout out to the Montana Historical Society for doing that. The fact that they invested a lot of money in a really high quality Montana history book and then basically gave it away to schools, I think it's been an incredible donation to teaching Montana history in Montana. Um, and um, you know, the fact that in fact, we're using those assets to teach our Montana history class at MTDA, and the fact that we didn't have to purchase electronic assets, we could just use the PDS has been a big boon for us. So that's how I would use those assets. Yeah. Do you have to have a Montana teacher login to get it? I do not believe you do, but if you do, Wes, let me know, and I'll, I'll score you some, some look at it. So it's, it's amazing, and it's, it was it, Every, every dollar spent on that has been extremely well spent. And part of that is understanding your market, right? Like, who's going to buy a, a, a history textbook about Montana? Well, the answer is schools. So why, why build schools? But, yeah, that's been a really great model, I think. What think Montana Stories? Yeah, Stories of the Land. And they hired a Montana writer to do it and then used historical society assets to 
create the book and then uh, tested it actually in a Montana school and then used a Montana teacher to create the assets that went along with the book. So it's been a, I think it was a great project. Yeah, if anyone in here is from a really tiny school like my own, we have literally seven students K through eight. But if you have a school that's just as tiny or close to, they will literally give you books for free. They give you eight books every semester for free. Absolutely free. So you're tiny for school. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to show you, in the last, again, iBooks Author has only been available for six months, and there are starting to become some interesting projects that utilize the platform to give you an idea of, of where the platform may be useful in kind of an end game. And I want to show you one commercially produced book that's actually done by the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. And this is exactly what I thought of when I saw uh, iBooks Author first, that you can create extremely wonderfully created media objects if you have the stuff to share in, in a really, uh, what I would consider to be easy to publish way. This is Mama's Collection Highlights book. It's $9.99 in the bookstore. Um, it's 350 of their most popular paintings. Um, what I like about this is I think it gives a good example of what a really well-done media-based book might look like uh, that was published essentially on this available consumer tool, right? They, they use nothing more than the iBooks author program, which is available free from Apple, to create what I consider to be a fairly extraordinary visual experience. And it utilizes a lot of what I think is most powerful about the iPad. Uh, to give you an example of this, if you flip through the various pages of the book, obviously it's going to be mostly visual uh, uh, images that it shows you, but once you get to something, there's a lot of information, much like a museum might show you, to give you context of individual paintings. For example, this much painting, which is a, 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 a Part of their permanent collection, here is the description of the painting and a little bit of context information about this. But because it is a multi-touch book that gives you access to the tactile feel of the iPad, you can actually take the painting and manipulate it if you want to look at pieces of it, which means you can uh, go in and focus on small pieces of it in the same way that I, in this very museum, might walk up to a painting and look at it a little closer or look at it a little more far away in order to give me context of the particular painting. Not to mention, in cases where the museum has had audio tour information that would be useful for the, um, the listener, or in this case the viewer, they include that information in the app. So in this case, I... People think that part of the reason he gets up charcoal drawing at the time. And so if you went and bought the audio tour, you know, the, the, the little uh, strap-on-your-head audio tours that are, are available in major museums, this is a lot of that same information. In some cases, when the artist is alive, this app actually integrates interviews with the artist directly, which means not just like seeing the paintings, it takes the concept a step further. And again, this is a book that was created using iBook authors. So it gives you a sense on what someone that gets familiar with the tools can do to create what I consider to be a pretty amazing media experience. Now, this is uh, the, the, the quintessential early adopters have been also classrooms, and I want to show you a couple of examples of iBooks that have been created by either teachers or students 
um, as part of class projects. And again, these are teachers that quite literally in January saw the announcement of iBooks author and then charged into the classroom probably the Monday after and said, okay, let's try a project with it and create some really interesting pieces of media. And I want to show you a couple of different contexts. First, there is a lot of student and kid authors that are publishing books on their own. They're not necessarily free books, or they're not necessarily paid books, although there are a couple of examples of, of young authors whose parents were savvy enough to get them in the pay part of the iBook store. But I want to show you an example of what one of those might look like. And this one's called, There's a Dragon in My Garage. And this is um, five years old, I believe, is, is the age of Samantha. And she um, wrote, and by wrote, I think she means she dictated, and then um, took pictures in order to create this particular book that ended up in the iBook store. What I find stunning about this is that you can share this, and I've done this three times now. Why can't I just hold it in? Well, you're fixing it. You can dictate now quite well. Absolutely. You know, you can create pages and literally say, um, I want to add audio, and one of the options is a recording button where you can just talk and, and write into the iBooks author program and narrate. There's the author. And, oh, wait, here we go. Right. How cute is that? So that that's a, an example of. In fact, this whole thing is narrated. What am I talking about? So older and younger sister work together to create a book that's then published in the iBook store. And you know, again, it's it's. I think it's a very powerful program, but I don't think it's so powerful that it puts the media creation piece out of the hands of, of, of even very beginning or novice users. And this is what the context might look like for an individual student, right? But then whole classes have also created really amazing projects together. Um, and I want to show you two. One is a little more narrow and one's more expansive. This is Peter Goes on Vacation. This is an American Sign Language class. And in this particular case, they brought in an author that, that does these Peter books and then created their own story based on the series of books, but then also created videos to show this text in American Sign Language. Peter's book is going on a vacation. He is going to the beach in Florida. And you'll know there's lots of media pieces being drawn into this. It's the video of the American Sign Language. It's the, um, the, uh, the art project that goes along with this. It's the text as well as part of this process. And I think this is exactly the kind of power that this iBook author uh, could create for students. Another example. <laughs> I'm scared you're going to cheer me off the stage. Think of this as assessment, too, for your students. What if they created this as their project? And then note here, in this particular case, the images are interactive. So I'm able to take the image, and if I want, and play with it, look at it in different contexts, and call it good. Right? So I think that's really awesome, right? And that's an example of younger students in a particular context. Then the most stunning book that I've seen so far, and this thing is huge. Like, I, I can't even wrap my brain around how much work went into this. 
This is Creatures, Plants, and More, a kid's guide to Northwest Florida, in case there was a real market for a kid's guide to Northwest Florida. It was? Okay, yeah. It is amazing. Like, this is really a, um, uh, well, it's an entire, I would think, an entire science project kind of built into an entire book. And they literally go through and take writing, pictures, video, and text creation together in order to create this um, very, very lengthy book. It's, it's, it's uh, dozens of, 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 of topics in many, many chapters that um, you'll notice it's by individual students and includes in some cases so you get the idea of that piece of drawing in all these media pieces together. But look at the tactile nature of this, like this particular set of pictures, which I'm assuming were taken by the student that created the, um, in fact, it was, it was AJ that took these pictures. Here are multiple pictures that he creates, or that he took, and then he just puts as part of a slideshow that he can just walk right through. And again, this is a lot of work aggregated into one location, but once you get it into the book, right, then this book can be put up into the iBook store. If you're giving it away for free, it requires almost no information or, or, or value with Apple, and then it creates this incredible media object that I think is, is pretty, um, uh, a pretty worthy project, I think, for kids. And imagine for a moment that this is, I believe these are elementary school students, imagine for a moment what you could do with advanced students or high school students in the same context, that you could probably create uh, a pretty amazing stuff um, by putting this in the hands of, of students at different ages and different levels. So I think this is a pretty good example of where that particular technology might be useful. You're literally drawing in a lot of different contexts of information in order to create a what I think is a pretty stunning um, a media object. Okay. Under those background pictures, you can literally just click on a picture and stretch it and put it behind. You can mask them. A lot of those are just simple drop-down menus or a, a flowing menu box whenever you deal with, it, with anything in there. So I look at it. You know, the first time I take it more So uh, that's that's the power of iBooks author, I think. You know, and it's unfortunate. I don't know how Apple would pull this off to make this a multi-platform um, uh, uh, element. You know, I think it would take a lot of re-envisioning the kind of uh, tactile, uh, interactive part of this in, in multiple platforms. But um, if you are and happen to be in a context where you do have access to iPads and the MacBooks to do this, I think that's a pretty powerful platform. Where are you finding your examples in general? Is there a place you go that has, like, I find it very difficult to find things. We have a section called Made with iBook Gossip. Right. But to see, like, regular people publishing stuff. So here's the problem. I don't think there is a lot of examples yet of, 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 of great examples of this yeah. There is the Made by, by iBook Gossip, which is actually where I found the MoMA book. I found the other two books just in blog traffic. Like, hey, look at this example of a book, and there was a link to it. So I don't think, like, even searching for student created, or I searched for public school. So here's, here's, here's okay, well, first of all, one of my favorite examples is called um, Hot, hot Apps for Hot. Uh-huh. And it's a professional development course. I both is awesome. Um, and I'm, aligning apps to 
um, you know, with the taxonomy kind Sure. Of um, and I don't know where I found that, but I really believe I've got the people who do that just really good work. Um, I guess, I guess, uh, so that some links on that is, uh, I'm losing track of my thoughts here, but I need caffeine, the whole morning.
know, red elementary tension right there, and you can fix it all. You know, so I, I honestly, I don't know why um, districts haven't just thought about it. I tried to do that with the MTBA right away. You know, when I was in charge when I first started, I thought, instead of buying these services, why don't we pay, you know, a dozen teachers $200 to write a little bit, and we can create a course. And then we'll spend the other 500, you know, put it together, we've done less than we buy it. Which is essentially the model we moved to. I mean, that our... Seriously. Okay, thanks, Captain Insight. So, um, <laughs> the other piece of this is that we have a big program to bring up. So, uh, you know, one of the things that we... The one of the things that we've been really, um, we've been really trying to empower teachers to do is say that, you know, like we we know that you don't like it when we give you stuff to teach with. And actually, one of our teachers is in the room. Did you end up working with Idaho this summer? Did you do the? I did uh, the first two parts of it, and I had to give it up for personal. So, um, uh, so one of the things we're working on is that we currently keep the spare on time. Thank you. I, I can write it really well. But, uh, so she's been the most creative teacher at MTDA, and a math teacher, and did a really great job of, of, of bringing up our English free program. And what Marilyn did, in part of it's because of the tight timelines we had. I think we probably hired you on June 1, and then you were teaching September 1. So we had a pretty tight turnaround of, of, of bringing the program up. Uh, but the one thing that is a... Um, was one of the realities we had was we had to get content really quickly to almost none of our teachers have taught online course. We purchased, in her case, um, uh, course assets from an existing uh, 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 virtual school program, in our case, the Florida Virtual School. So we handed English free assets to Maryland. Maryland manipulated them into our, our current course, added things like Montana's related stuff onto it, initiation for all stuff, stuff we need to do to these state standards in the state of Montana. Well, here we are two years later, and we're starting to feel like that we are building some, some capacity in our teachers to say, okay, well, that was really great to start off with, and that certainly got us started. What can we do now to create courses that we make ourselves, that we own, that we can use without licensing or any copyright issues to make that piece happen? We've got a couple models we're using. One of them is a collaborative model with Idaho, Michigan, and Georgia. Another one is a kind of internal model where we're creating courses. But I think that's the best piece of this. We can empower teachers to become kind of little media houses within themselves. And I think schools like Idaho Author um, and any of the things we've learned about with creating the media here, I think is a really critical piece of this. It's not easy, right? Because I think teachers are, are, don't perceive themselves as powerful as they actually are. But I think that's a piece of this. We have to empower teachers to make we have to empower teachers to create media for kids and then use that power of the game itself to also empower kids to do the same thing. I think that's really a two-step process. Just loading digital, free digital books. South Africa doesn't have any money. And Mark Shelworth, who's an entrepreneur there, has started um, promoting open source resources. So better than you know, dividing up a workload, why don't you start with something? And remember, I, I grabbed a Wikipedia page, copy, paste, threw it in iBooks. You can grab stuff from open source content that you're free to, the licensing, you're free to, uh, um, free to modify, and here's the starting point. Go in and have that. It's almost like your own Wikipedia page, except you created a textbook. Uh, I was trying to find, um, 
why I can't get one of these. I, these look a little newer than the ones I used to play with. Okay, here, whoops, uh, here's the, uh, the textbook in English. Um, and the teacher's guide, so uh, we'll take the PDF, download that. Here's your starting point. So, and you can copy out the PDF because I haven't tried this into iBooks. Um, but there's lots of free text, and the reason is they can't afford to buy. So, what do you do? I mean, you can try to sell. I mean, you have to think outside America sometimes because we're a market-driven economy usually. What if no textbooks because there's no money? Somebody comes in, hires people to write them, gives them away for free. Well, orders don't matter. I was down in South Africa uh, a few years ago, and you know, in some ways it waste time, in other ways it lay ahead. Anyway, this one's downloading here. So I, it took me a while to remember the name. Um, I, South Africa Free High School Text will get you somewhere into this. This is 2007. It's been around for a while, but you know, South Africa, sometimes they spell words a little differently, and, uh, kind of a British influence, but literally. I don't know, flash on it. Sorry. Here it is. That was something else. So open in books. Did you see that? Open in iBooks. <laughs> so we're going to drop in a math text. Here it is. 469 pages. Whatever grade 10 is in South Africa. Not a bad starting point. So I have one kind of last topic that I want to cover very briefly um, that I think is maybe a solutions-based context for those of you that aren't in a complete app world. If you have an iPad, you have a classroom set of iPads, or even a couple of iPads, there is an emerging set of applications that do allow um, um, concentrated Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know so um, that allow for, that's why you that it needs to turn the notification center off. So, um, um, that allow you to create books directly on the iPad. And I think the iPad has really gone through a shift since its original release that a lot of people perceive the iPad as a media consumption device, right? You grab the iPad and you want to consume media. And slowly and surely, through the development of applications, and I think also the, the evolution of the power, physical power of the platform itself, it's becoming more creation-based device. And um, I have a couple of example uh, applications I put links in. They're all commercial applications. They're anywhere from $3.99 to $4.99. So they're not major investments for something to play around with. But they're all examples of book creators that you can create, mostly PDF-based books. They're not nearly as advanced as the... Um, not nearly as advanced as the kind of multi-touch books that exist in the iBook author platform, partly because the, the iPad itself is as powerful to really render those types of, of objects yet. But, you know, there's a couple of good examples of this. Um, I was pretty impressed with eBook Magic, for example, which is quite literally allows you to take a mix of both photos and text and create a book-like uh, or book-like uh, object with it. So you can take a number of um, in this case, templates, so if I want to create a uh, kind of a, a, a page of pictures, I can literally click on individual pictures, and I can either choose from a library, so if I have individual pieces in my library, so I've got a, a map that I clearly stole from the internet somewhere, 
and then other random pictures. That's screenshots. That's me playing around with the camera, and that's super exciting. And I can even take photos if I want to. Small word. Nice. Now, when you're taking a picture, touch on the thing you want to take a picture of most is exposed to the hallway, not me. I didn't want to tell them that. But if you clicked on me, the hallway would have washed out and my face would appear. Actually, I wanted your face washed out. That was by design. So, you know, and then I can literally add additional pages to this. And, um, you know, I've played, this app in particular I've played with a couple of times. Um, I'm, I've never really had the, the need to personally make a book of pictures. Um, but in the same way that, that uh, like iPhoto on the, the Mac, for example, can create picture books that are print picture books, right? This could create digital books in that same ilk. And for simple projects, I think, with students, or if you're looking for a way to create a simple portfolio and you don't want to use PowerPoint or pages to do so, this could be a powerful way to do that. So that's another alternative, that there is a growing number of relatively powerful applications on the iPad directly that also create um, the ability to create books. What's this program again? This particular one is called eBook Magic. And I put, and I put links um, in the, the uh, session notes um, on these, these these three. The one I've used the most, played with the most is ebook magic, the book creator, who was introduced to me a couple years or a couple weeks ago by Diane Woodard. You may know her, she's a popular one in the region. That's her preferred one. It looks almost exactly the same. It's um, literally, you know, tap and create. So again, relatively simple book creation. Right, and then you can then export to PDF. Yeah, go ahead. The difference, I think, though, is this one lets you record your voice. Right. Yep. That's the only one I've found. Have you found any others that support the, the direct audio? No. There's a couple of, of kind of digital story-making ones that are more animation-based. The story kit one was mentioned earlier that I think does that. But yeah, that's the key so to this one. Keep in mind that think about the most important element of what you're trying to do here, because inserting, I mean, I looked, I can make audio files with with recorder like Wes has got going here, I can click on voice memo, um, I can use all kinds of different things to record or, um, from other sources, from anywhere, and I can compile that. But when it comes to editing, presentation, manipulation, think of the thing that's most important, because a lot of the apps will sell you on a feature. Right. And people buy it or use it because of that feature, but that feature may degrade the core reason they're doing it. They may only have text that's hard to read, or it may only work on certain devices, or it may be really clunky, uh, so people aren't really doing what they want to do with it, but they can embed voice. So, you know, there are workarounds all the way. I mean, you can, you can even, and I've done this, give a PDF and an audio file, and you say, double click on the audio file, and when it starts playing, it'll tell you to open the PDF. And you've got both. I mean, there are low-tech solutions, too. Um, so, Think about what it really is you want to get done and focus on being able to do that, maybe not what the app is doing, because that's right. why there are so many. And this one does this a little bit better. This one does that a little bit better. I do it with reckless abandon. I want to do this. I will do it with whatever's in front of me. All these PowerPoints I have to save it as JPEGs and throw it in my movie and then add my audio track and mm -hmm. export it you know, with 
put it on YouTube and then embed it back in my PowerPoint or something. Anything to get it doing exactly what I'm after. So don't give up or be slave to the, to the app. And, and also realize, too, that, that that's an important mission, too, that there are great apps to do really cool things and great new programs to do really cool things. But if you're just trying to put some pictures on some slides and add narration to it, PowerPoint does a really great job at that, and you don't need the fancy iPads for it. You so can, design, you know, yeah, so Gino is fabulous. You know, like those are all those are all platforms that do almost the exact same thing. You know, make sure that you're that in, in our drive to use the cool stuff that you're not forgetting that there are oftentimes existing. Um, easy to uh, uh, pick up tools that do as good or better job than the new tool does, and I think that's that's one of the things that that I, I think is a good lesson for kids. That oftentimes they prefer to use the thing that is um, uh, the modern uh, outsider outlier uh, uh, cool factor app. You know, oftentimes the simple solution is going to get it done, as opposed to um, you know using the new app to do so. And that's something that I think is, is a really critical piece. That said, you know, fight with reckless abandon to discourage your students from putting a lot of words on a PowerPoint slide. You can do that. Good to go. You're all set to uh, do whatever you want. There are no experts anymore. No, there are no experts anymore. More than you about something very specific. So uh, make sure that the there is a the sign-in sheet is going around. If you haven't seen it, here's the copy. Um, and make three times today.